Hello, Switched On crew. Dan here with today's signals on how to maintain positive change. With me is Jonathan Tucker, the founder of The Purpose Cycle. A great quote from Jonathan in the episode, everyone expects to change overnight and it doesn't happen overnight. Come join us and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Switched On Podcast. Today we have Jonathan Tucker. He's the founder of The Purpose Cycle. He's an author, podcast host, teacher, and, and more. Welcome, Jonathan. We're excited to have you on the show, and I'd love to have you give a little bit more background about yourself. Yes, thank you, Dan. And hello, everyone. First of all, thanks, Dan, for having me on. It's, it's a really huge honor to be on. And um, yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm a school teacher in terms of a day job. I teach uh, year six in England, so that'd be fifth or sixth grade uh, in America. And I'm somebody who's always loved radio. Um, ever since I was little, used to listen to the radio all the time. And a pretty early adopter of podcasting in terms of listening. Um, when I was at university, I used to just listen all the time to podcasts. So I've always loved delivering messages uh, through voice. And yeah, at the at the age of 23, upon probably leaving university and um, starting to start find my way, I was I was really struggling with a, a lack of of belonging and, and purpose and, and finding myself and. I had a, a really hard-hitting moment in which I lost one of my best friends to a, a heart condition called um, giant cell myocarditis wow. um, a week before his 24th birthday. Uh, one of the, the fittest, healthiest men you, you would have ever met. Um, and it was a huge shock. And um, one of his quotes was, if you're not making somebody's, somebody else's life better, then you're wasting your time. And it just struck with me. And I'd always coached soccer. For, for a long time. I had a bit of a talent in, in delivering a message. So I sort of wanted to give something back. I felt like actually this is, I want to deliver meaningful impacts to people. And I, I've, I've always been a huge fan of watching people such as Tom Bilyeu, Gary, Gary V, um, Tony Robbins for years and seeing all of these sort of motivational guys. And I was searching for such a long time to be like, right, I'm going to write a motivational speech. <laughs> but the problem is, if you don't have life experience and you and you look for an idea and you search too much, you're not going to find it. So I had to wait for it to find me. And it came during the, the UK lockdown last year in, in around June time. And I, I, schools were still open in the UK. And I was writing a, a speech for my, my class because they were moving on to the next level of school. And they were moving on to secondary school, which I, I'm assuming is middle school um, in, in America. And I, I spoke about different stages of your life and what you're going to go through. And that was when the purpose cycle found me effectively. Yeah, that's, that's really neat. It's um, I've actually never heard of that condition before. Um, mm. uh, at 24, that's, that's a wake up call for all of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a hugely common condition in, in a lot of older people. Um, it's when you, your heart basically slowly begins to die and it's a, it's the explanation of an underlying condition behind many sort of, you see marathon runners that suddenly drop dead and, yeah. and all these people who didn't know that they had something wrong with the heart. And, and that's what it, what it was essentially. So um, yeah, it was just such a tragedy, but you know, from his phone notes is where we found this quote. It wasn't anything he preached. He just typed it in himself. It was something that he typed up and he was a school teacher himself. So maybe something that inspired me to do similar, to be honest. Wow. Really neat. The, um, 
something we talked about in the pre-show that I thought was really neat. And I, I'm going to dive into the purpose cycle as well. Yeah. But this idea on that you spread in your classroom and your school about kindness um, really struck me because uh, in the world today, I know even just in our little city, you just feel the tension and people are driving, cutting each other off. There isn't a lot of kindness uh, out there and how, teaching people on just mm -hmm. simple things on how we can all spread that. I was really drawn to by what you did. So maybe you can share a little of that first, then we'll dive into the purpose cycle. Of course, Dan. Yeah. Um, so basically it came to obviously June, July last year and the children had had a couple of months off school and they're all pretty worried because they were, they were thinking, right, well, we're starting our next school journey in a matter of months and we've missed all of this education. And the message that I wanted to deliver them was you've missed parts of your education and, you know, people might judge you on standardized scores of how clever you are. But the only thing that truly matters is that you learn to be kind. And actually, to be fair, they don't need to learn to be kind because nobody's born hating other people. Everybody's born kind. And it, it's it's a, a wrong course of nurture and, and trauma that may bring somebody to be unkind. But there was there was also, also low-level kindness that can happen, like you say, driving, cutting each other off and you know, swearing at each other in the shops and all these little things that I just thought we're, we're shielded from that in the school environment. There was a couple of maybe unkind words said between children, but there always seemed to be throwaway comments and they never see, they never understand how much their words can carry. So I wanted to show them by basically asking the children to take a sheet of A4 paper, uh, lined paper, and in each line, write something kind to, um, to, the, to a person in the class. And it had the person's name on the bottom, so they knew. And even if they didn't get on with that person, they understood the qualities that that person had. And they would fold it, and they would leave it anonymous as well, um, because kindness shouldn't be rewarded. Um, it will reward you and pay dividends in time, I believe, um, itself. And so they would fold up the, the line that they've written and pass it to the next person. And it was just great because I said to, to everybody, take this with you. If you ever feel down, you ever, you ever doubt yourself, you ever feel unconfident, open this up and just realize how nice and how great you are. And it's, it seemed to carry a lot of weight. And I think they understood that actually, you know, kindness costs nothing. And how good does it feel to be kind to somebody? Like it, it's a, it's a feeling that is completely unrivaled. If you can do something nice for somebody else, wow, it's just incredible. And like you said about people being unkind, I think it was obviously around the same time that there was a lot of news in America and um, relating to George Floyd and, there was a lot of hate in the world, but yeah. despite that, despite that, there is, you know, the youth are, who are our future have so much positivity and kindness to give. Yeah. You know, we got taught an amazing lesson on this by an uh, individual. I don't know who he was. He was in a uh, kind of a health food grocery store and he came in and he had a, just a, a simple white, like sheet type robe on and he came into the store and all he did was spread simple words of kindness to anybody that he interacted with. He never, he never introduced himself. We, you know, unbeknownst to me, we were both watching this person and he like, he lit everybody up by just, how are you today? Wow. You're doing such a nice job at checking me out. Just simple words. And 
he made such an impression on the entire store by just that simplicity that he interacted with everybody with. It was, uh, I, I think about it all the time. It was truly impactful. Mm. Just love yeah. and, and kindness. That's brilliant. And I, I've, um, I've tried to implement that in my, my language as well with, you know, if I'm emailing a colleague, instead of putting kind regards, I would just put, have a wonderful day. And even that short sentence just will bring someone up slightly. And um, we also spoke off air about what I did more recently with my my new class. And um, I, I wanted to expand it out because we, um, you know, there's a lot of tension in, around at the minute with, you know, with COVID and everything. And um, the parents are on edge and the children were as well. And I decided to keep my class out for five minutes when everybody went in at the beginning of the day and gave them all a piece of chalk. And I said, right, go and write something on the playground. That's nice. That's kind, you know, that will make somebody smile. And it, every time a different class came out for, for recess, they were just like, I, we were looking out the window and their faces just little. And I was like, how good does that feel, everybody? Does that cost you anything? You know, and it was just such a powerful message and it just makes you feel great. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. I love it. Well, maybe you can give us a bit more insight on the purpose cycle in um, you know, how, how, how you use it, how you implement it, how, how does it uh, work and help us? Yeah, I will uh, take you on a quick whistle-stop tour, essentially. So uh, there's five stages to um, what I call the purpose cycle. And, and quite a lot of the time, people se- uh, tend to sort of kick back and forth between the first two stages, because in, in life, we can, you know, just be figuring it out for some period of time. And, and that's absolutely fine. But the next three stages are so powerful that they would then kickstart the new cycle, which is the element, obviously, it's a continuous journey in life, and you, you're never from A to B and done. Um, and the first stage is, is aspiration. And it's the the external or, or even the internal triggers that make you want to do something. So for example, I would see if I relate back to what I said earlier, if I had see a, a Tom Bilyeu, um speaking to large groups of people providing inspiration, I think, well, I'd love to, to do what, what he's doing. And that would be an external trigger, something that I've seen that makes me want to, to do it. And you'd, you'd feel the, the inner effects. You'd feel the almost like the, the, the dopamine hit if in a way, or maybe, you know, something slightly different. Um, that, that feeling of, wow, this is, this is really good and, and what it already feels like to be successful. And then you have a realization and um, that, that could be that of the task. So like, wow, this is difficult. Um, I need to learn how to perform this task. Or alternatively, it could be like, I hate this. I, I don't <laughs> like doing this. So I need to kick back to aspiration and find a new one. And, um, you know, people change careers all the time. And um, also the environmental realization. So like, you know, I've got um, three kids and a wife and I, I can't just quit my nine to five and say, Right, I'm going to be a public speaker now, everybody, because you've got to put food on the table and bills to pay. So you've got environmental factors to think of as well. And um, then also the the realisation of others and really assessing your circle and think, right, you're the average, supposedly the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So are these five people lifting me up? Are they are they fountains? Are they giving? Or are they drains? Are they, are they taken away? And And finally, which is the most difficult one, the realisation of yourself. So, you know, do you want to put in the reps? Do you want to wake up every morning and and be relentless in pursuing what you truly want to achieve? And if you can do that, you move forward to the third stage. And the third stage is the initiation. And I, I tell everybody who asks me about it, it doesn't matter how good or how bad it is, you start, you initiate, you begin. Uh, my first podcast came out today and you know what? I'm going to listen to it in five years and think, wow, 
that was horrible. But I started. <laughs> and that's the main thing, right? You've just got to start producing uh, what you want to do. And that takes you through to the creation stage. And that's the flow state. That's the day-to-day creation of what you want to achieve. And, you know, it might be giving out, you know, appearing on podcasts, doing some writing, um, speaking to other people. And that that eventually brings you to the fruition stage. And that is bearing fruit of what you've sown in the creation and initiation phases. And once you've acted regularly and consistently over time, you'll begin to see the results of what you're putting in. And hopefully that kickstarts a brand new aspiration and a brand new purpose cycle to improve and get better. Yeah, neat. The, uh, yeah, the once you get started thing, you know, it really is true. And I know from my own podcasting journey, it's, there's more to to do and to think about and to to master than you almost can imagine. And um, I know, looking back already, I, I, I just keep getting better each episode. I keep refining the format. I keep constantly getting better, but I wouldn't have never got there if I wouldn't have got started. So, you know, it is uh, such a good point. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. it. It never, the realization, you know, it's meant to be the second phase in what I call the purpose cycle, but it doesn't really stop. You, you constantly realize um, about about others, about yourself, about your environment. So it is a continuous journey and it is a cycle, like I said. Yeah. I think one of the side benefits of podcasting that I didn't even really come to grips with is you're meeting fantastic people and they're people you just would never, ever have come across like you and I never would have met ever. And yet we meet where our alignment is strong, our missions are strong, Mm. and that just powers you even more. So it really is a, a neat side benefit on just the people you get to connect with. Yeah, definitely. And and we, you know, we talked off air about energy. And even, you know, before we, we even hit record, I just felt 10 feet tall. I thought, wow, you know, Dan shares a lot of values with me. And I just have, you know, you benefit off the energy of others. And I just absolutely love it. And it's something that was actually quite unexpected. I thought, how am I going to get all of these guests on to bring impactful practices to my listeners? But it's provided a whole lot of benefit to myself as well. And and just a great feeling. My um, my fiance, um, Sarah, she often comments about how I skip out of, of the room after I finish <laughs> podcasting and come and go back downstairs and be like, wow, I feel great. And, and that's that's a huge benefit. It is. It really is. It's uh, I see I feel the same thing. And I I'm seeing more and more every day the the synergies, the simple signals that are coming in, the connectivity it's um it's almost like you know, i i feel in fact i said this over the weekend was it's it, the name is wrong it's not podcasting you know this is really um the like social network the way it should be which is we're actually getting to know people you know you're not just like putting some random perfect picture out that everyone you know says oh my god you look so amazing in that picture it's it's completely different what a great point that is. Yeah. And also the the gratification that you get because you get uh, a whole lot of focus on instant gratification in social media and, and getting those likes and comments, which don't really carry much weight. Mm-hmm. And with 
podcasting, you get a lot of instant gratification of, wow, this, you know, the instant feelings, but you get that delayed uh, onset as well later on because you, you're putting into place what people are telling you and what you pick up. You know, you pick up small things. I'm, you know, I've already picked up about signals and, and energy from yourself. And that will hit me in like a couple of weeks' time. I'll just be walking around and be like, wow, yeah, Dan made such a good point there. So it, it does stay with you for a lot longer. And I just think it's so much more beneficial in terms of your learning process rather than just, you know, slowing down your mind by scrolling endlessly, not actually paying <laughs> focus to what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, you're 100% right. One other thing that I had seen you write about or comment on was, I think it might have been in one of your blog posts, but it said ways you can maintain positive change in your life in 2021. And can you highlight a couple of things that um, people can do to maintain it? Because I think that's the thing we all struggle with is that we set them and then we, you know, a month later, we're struggling to, to maintain it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, th- I think one of the main problems is that a lot of people tend to make huge changes. Um, for example, they, they've never been to the gym before, for example, and they may buy, you know, $200 worth of gym clothing. They pay for a membership. They pay for a PT. And they, you know, subscribe to an app and and all these things, you know, they might buy a brand new shiny Peloton and it costs a couple of thousand bucks. And then you're like, right, okay, well, you're doing all of these changes, but that's not in your identity as a person. So I've recently read a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, and and this really did explain it really well and how you make votes for your identity and and small micro changes over time. Uh, are so much more sustainable because, for example, I'm somebody who is this year focusing on sleep and I would be like staying up late gaming like, all the time, just, you know, with my friends, I'll just be on the PlayStation or whatever, because it helped me switch off. And that was that was me since I was about 13 years old. I would just switch on the video game and just switch off from the outside world. But then I'd wake up feeling terrible the next day because I've got a focus for work, which I couldn't do because I didn't sleep well enough. And right. it just didn't help me at all so I didn't just go right I'm going to quit video games forever I'm going to go to sleep at 8 8 p.m I was like right I need to think right I've got video game night on a Friday night and I need to build to that all week you know and I would reward myself um you're casting votes for the person that you want to become and I'm going to talk a little bit later on about designing the life and, and the identity of the person that you want to become I think that's a huge point thinking right does successful me really look like this? Am I really sat down doing nothing? Or could I be working on a side hustle, for example? <laughs> and um, yeah, like I-, I wanted to become a writer. And how much writing did I do when I was sat on a video game? None. So yeah, it would just be casting votes would be the first one and, and making micro manageable changes, but also writing it down as well, because you write it down on paper, it becomes real. So you're not just thinking or typing it into your phone. Um, you know, I will lose 10 pounds or whatever it is, you're going to write it down in a journal uh, and you you read it every day and you revise it. That's going to be so much more beneficial. And, and with that should maybe come with an accountability buddy as well. So um, you're way more likely statistically to keep up a habit if you have an account accountability partner. I like to call him a moving buddy uh, from the first Toy Story where <laughs> Woody pairs up the two toys. He's like, that's your moving buddy. Make sure that they get there. And it's exactly the same thing. I, you know, I, I'll check in with my accountability partner and I'll say, right, how are you getting on with your goals? 
um, he'll feed back to me and I'll feed back to him. And it's just a great way of keeping yourself in check because, you know, a lot of people do get personal trainers for that reason. They only go to not let them down. Um, but then what they're doing outside of that for the other six days of the week that they're not seeing the PT. So again, accountability buddies, a regular check-in and a partner who has the same goals of you uh, or similar because, I mean, a PT won't have the same fitness goal as you more often than not. So it's, again, a case of maybe having a shared value and a shared goal as well. And um, just a final one as well. Um, I would say a what I call a prop for progress is a really good way of maintaining a habit. Uh, it's just good, for, you know, to reward yourself every now and again. So, um, for example, if I was trying to go alcohol-free, I've done it before where I've tried to go a couple of months without drinking any, any well, red wine's my uh, my downfall. So uh, if I'm trying to go off the red wine for a couple of months, but I'll, I'll, I will pay an, into a, a savings account, um, you know, 25, 30 pound or whatever it was, you know, to and um, well done. You've not bought a bottle of wine and, you know, you, you, you're drinking lots of water, you're hydrating better, which was the main aim anyway, to hydrate a lot better. And what I would do is, you know, at the end of the, the month, I, I would treat myself with something nice. Um, I'm quite into health and fitness, so buy myself a new gym T-shirt or something like that. Just made me feel good. And it was like, that's your reward. And you're sort of paying an investment on yourself and, and, and rewarding yourself further down the line. So it's always good to have a little prop for progress and uh, a pat <laughs> yeah. on the back in a way. You know, yeah, yeah. everyone everyone expects to change overnight. Yeah. And it doesn't happen overnight. And you need to sometimes just think, well, actually, I've come on such a long way since last year. Yeah, no, it's having kindness to yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. And you'll probably find anyway that once you stick to those habits, you know, you will you will get those feelings internally. For example, like if I go a couple of weeks without going on a video game, I'm like, wow, I've been so productive, and I just feel good anyway. So I don't need to buy anything to make myself feel good. Um, so, you know, every now and again, I'd do the, the virtual the sort of pat on the back and treat myself to some nice food or something. But yeah. now it's just an internal feeling of like, oh, yeah, well done. Well done, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned sleep because we attacked uh, our sleep uh, a few years ago and just researched and really dove into it. And that's actually where I left, you know, alcohol behind because I found that the the alcohol really was disturbing my sleep. And as I moved that out of it, um, there's a lot of data and research around that, but all of a sudden I just started sleeping perfect. And, you know, seven hours, not waking up, no more snoring, all this stuff changed and it was really stunning. And now it, I, so love my good sleep that if I do anything that disrupts it, I'm really, really not happy with myself the next day. Cause it's like, Oh man, I usually feel so much better than this. So uh, anyway, I've been down the well, sleep road. Yeah. Well, that's it. When you know, Dan, you've got it nailed is when you, you are your own accountability partner and you, yeah. and you sort of beating yourself up a little bit thinking, oh, Dan, like I, I could have, you know, my, my sleep should be better than this. This isn't the new me. And right. when you've got your, when you, you are your own accountability partner, then I really do think you've got it cracked. Yeah. So if everybody that's listening could take away one thing today from this 30 minutes that they get mm -hmm. to know you, what would be the one thing that you would want them to, to walk away with that could help them? I would just love people to know that 
Um, because for a long time, it, it certainly wasn't my belief until I realized, but nurture over nurture. I, I think nurture wins every time. I was the kid at school who got, you know, bang average grades. And I had so many more academic people in front of me um, going up through school. And and crazy enough, I'm the one who ends up as a teacher, you know, and 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 it's because of, you know, what I like to call in the creation phase, it, it, three simple steps to research, strategize and act. And I just believe that you can truly design the person who you want to become. So to put it into context, um, when I was looking to, 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 you know, level up in my life, I was, I was pretty happy in my career as a school teacher, but I wanted to uh, move out of my rental property and buy my first home. I wanted to, I'm, I'm in the process of, well, we're engaged at the minute, my partner and I, and we're going to get married. And there's a lot of financial um, things that I had to save up for. So I had to, you know, think about my opportunities and think about redesigning my life because, you know, I was, I was not good at saving money. And that was a, that wasn't a habit or an identity of the person that I wanted to become. I wanted to be somebody who had abundance and, and was really good with money. So I, um, I, I, you know, reflected, what could I do better? And I designed, I designed my life. Essentially, I got a, a corkboard, and my partner and I um, sat down one night and cut out loads of photographs of you know what our dream house would look like. Uh, and and again, this isn't the first home. This is our dream home. And you know what would what would our life look like in many other ways, and, and not just a materialistic way, but you know what sort of characteristics would we had. So um, I would put some some weights in there. Some you know I'd be a regular gym goer. I'd keep myself healthy. Um, and all of these different things. And every single morning we woke up, we would see it because we placed it directly opposite our bed. So when we wake up and we sat up in the morning, it was there looking at us. And it would just subconsciously embed itself into our mindset and, and it would manifest. Um, as well as that, I would always uh, um, encourage people to journal because it's a great way of decluttering your thoughts and also reinforce your true values. And so I was manifesting it in, in a second way. And it just, I would build the habits of the person that I wanted to be. So I wrote down in my journal, what does this Jonathan look like? Who is a successful person who owns his own, own home and um, who is a good husband. And eventually um, in time, hopefully uh, will be a, a good father as well, because that's my ultimate aim. That is the ultimate purpose cycle for me to be a, a, a good father. And I would think inwardly before outwardly. So I wouldn't think, oh, well, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, my boss five years ago who tricked me like this, I would, I wouldn't be a bitter person or, you know, if it wasn't for this girl breaking up with me when I was 12, you know, you know, I would just think, right, what, what do I need to address? And I started playing that role in a way I would get up early, um, cold water therapy, cold shower, wake me up get me alert for the day. Cause I was horrible at waking up early, um, drinking, hydrating, uh, lots and lots of water, eat well, meditate, journal. And I would just repeat, and eventually the habits set in. So I would say you can truly be the person that you want to become if you design the life you want to be. You know, if you were being the architect of your home, you would go through every single detail, millimeter by millimeter or inch by inch of, of what the house would look like, what your dream home would look like. If you were architecting your, your future, Yeah, you need to do the same thing. How are you going to, I mean, very similar to what you said, to be honest, off air, when you, you, you took a look and reflected at what you were doing, you can do anything as long as you design, you plan, you obviously understand by researching what it takes to be there and you put into place the characteristics and identities and habits 
of what the future you looks like. Neat. Neat. Well, we're at that last question, which is a cauliflower moment where you had a belief, didn't get an outcome or the outcomes you were hoping for, and you changed it and changed your life or life's around you. What's the cauliflower moment you want to share with everybody? Well, um, I think it's, it's shedding the skin really of a, of a deep rooted belief, um, almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of, of the family. And, um, like I say, you know, I was getting not excellent grades going up from school and, um, it was, it was well, well documented in our family, uh, last name's Tucker. It'd be Tucker's luck. It just happens. You know, we are unlucky people. Um, bad things just happen to us. You know, cars break down, you know, unexpected bills come in. Um, and it was sort of, and we, I think it was because we were sort of growing up as, as entry level middle class. Like my mum and dad was sort of grew up working class and they had to fight for every, every, you know, pound that they earned. And they lived on a street that was, it was a nice street, lovely place to grow up in, lovely neighborhood, but everybody down on our street, my dad would always mention uh, they're going to Florida, you know, they're going on holidays here and there and, and we would stay in the UK or, or maybe if we're lucky, go to like Spain or mainland Europe. And it was always took us luck. And I adopted this mindset and I thought, you know, it always happens to me. And I remember walking 90 minutes into my city center to hand in a, a resume to a job at a, like a, trying to think of this, sort of, not, not quite a leisure club, but you go and play pool and darts and things like this. And it was like the most basic job ever. I had, you know, school qualifications and I walked all the way there and I thought, I'm probably not going to get this. It's took a look, took us look. And I, I walked all the way back, didn't get it. Didn't even get asked for an interview. And it was this sort of, you know, oh yeah, pursuit of happiness. So and I love the film by the way, but it was that sort of like, you know, this is, you have to suffer. You have to go through. It taught me a lot, to be honest, about perseverance and resilience. And then I got to, um, <clears throat> I got to university and I started reading self-development books. I moved out of the city and I thought, why, why does why do people see like different to bad situations? If I ever got bad luck, I'd say that's what happens to me. Why don't I just try and switch my thinking and reframe? And I've recently written a blog on this actually about reframing situations and understand that things happen for us, not to us. And they help build the person that you are. And I just started just like being happy. It was just, it was this epiphany of just like, wow, well, why don't I actually design what, I want John to be like, um, because I was quite a socially awkward person and um, very much negative mindset of things will happen. Um, and I didn't see, I started to take them on as challenges. So I failed my final year of university and I had to retake the final year. And I was like, okay, right, I'll show them that I'm actually bright enough to get past university because I was the first person in my family to go to university. So I, I, I'm going to pass this. And then I, you know, when I finished university, I was like, right, I'm going to run a marathon. Let's go. And I would just start setting myself these challenges and like voting for my, and I'm not telling everyone to go and run a marathon, by the way. Yeah. If you're somebody who wants to get healthy, you know, go, you know, start walking, build it up to 5k. You know, it's, you can just start casting votes today and it doesn't matter how small the vote is. If you constantly count votes, it will add up to the person that you want, uh, you want to be and. I managed to do that. And it, what what happened when I was 23, when my best friend passed away, really did strike me as if you're not making someone else's life better, then you're wasting your time. So I had to, first of all, make my own life better by casting votes for the person that I wanted to become. 
And the person that I wanted to become is somebody who delivered impact to other people and helps them too. And once I started thinking that way, it was just a complete change, complete change in my life. Things started coming to me, opportunities for jobs, uh, another degree in, in teaching, just all of these things. You know, the guy who was, who was failing elementary school and he's now been, you know, been to university twice. And it's, it's not to burst, it's just to say, this person actually doesn't have Tucker's luck. He's breaking the mold and, you know, he's creating a life for himself. Yeah. No, that is a fantastic cauliflower moment because <laughs> I think um, a lot of people have that kind of Tucker's luck mentality. And it, um, it really isn't and doesn't have to be that way. And, hmm. you know, your soul is here for its purpose. And, you know, it's not, your soul didn't come from that family. Your soul is part of the universal soul and you have no idea. And by taking all these signals and testing all these paths, you find it. And when you find it, you know, your money, you just start, everything just starts aligning. So I love it. It's it's just really hard to, I'm trying my best to explain it and to the listeners so that I can understand. But once you start believing in that abundance and having that framing of a situation, it just, it just starts to, to gravitate so, towards you. Yeah. Well, listen, this has been great. Really enjoyed the time. How can people mm. connect with you or find you? Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm on Instagram as the, the purpose cycle primarily. I like to, to spread, a, spread a lot of positive messages. So a lot of different quotes that I come up on when I'm journaling. Um, I also like to share some of the content that I produce. So I have a, a podcast as well called the purpose cycle podcast. And that's available on Spotify and um, Google and Apple Podcasts and YouTube as well uh, in an audio format. And I've also got a website, thepurposecycle.com, and I'm starting to write blogs. I'm looking to eventually build to write a book. So writing is something that I'm passionate about, and I like to sort of spread the message on there. But if you go to thepurposecycle.com, it has links to all of my different pages and links to podcasts that I appear on as well. So you can find me pretty much at thepurposecycle.com. And there is a message box there as well. So if anybody ever wants to communicate, you know, send a message just to to shout out, you know, anything that they're, they're trying to do to improve their life or want any advice, then by all means, get in touch, guys, because I'd love to, to try and share some of my my uh, ever-gaining wisdom, hopefully, with yeah. you guys. But um, no, yeah, thank you, Dan. I really appreciate coming on the show. Perfect. Well, I'll include the info in the show notes. And thanks again for your time. Loved it. Thank you, Dan. Thank you.